live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. You know, you could argue that the T-Dogs were the biggest losers of the playing tournament so far. Or you might argue that the biggest loser was anybody who had to sit through the T-Dogs and Lakers. However, I'm going to argue that the biggest loser of the playing tournament in the association didn't even play in the tournament. Because nobody looks worse right now than Zion Williamson. Nobody. Not even the T-Dogs. I can't even imagine a worse optic than Zion turning his warm-up into a dunk contest last night. I was joking. I was joking yesterday when I said the dude had best not go out there before the game and start windmill dunking again. It was a joke. I didn't think that he was actually going to literally throw down a windmill dunk in the warm-ups. I mean, dude, for real? For real. For real. For Find real. me a worse look than that. Find me a worse look than this dude saying, physically, I'm fine, quote, end of quote, but I'm not going to play in the biggest game of the season because I don't, quote, feel like Zion. Physically, I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of uh, like when I feel like Zion. All right, so if that weren't confusing enough, if that weren't challenging enough for a lot of people, find me something even worse than saying that and then going out there and throwing down windmill dunks in warm-ups before changing back industry clothes to watch the biggest game of the season from the bench. I mean, the whole thing is so weird. Like, I'm not going back there until I feel like Zion. I don't know, dude. You getting up and throwing down those windmill dunks looked pretty Zion to me. You're going to have to define what that means. I'm not coming back until I feel like Zion. Because you sure look like Zion before the game, getting up, elevating, throwing them down, windmill style. Whole thing is so weird, so bizarre. And no, I'm not trying to steer way out of my way to take a run at this dude. I'm just trying to go way out of my way to understand this dude. Like, what's going on here? And by the way, when I say he's the biggest loser of the playing tournament, it's not an opening for you all to rush up in here with your Zion National Pork resets. Although, frankly, I have to admit that one's kind of funny. Zion National Pork. You know why? Hey, Rome, don't be a hypocrite. I'll tell you why that's kind of funny. I digress really quickly. I don't know why the guy's not ready. I don't know what he's dealing with, but he's had a lot of time to deal with it. How is he not ready to play coming off a hamstring injury that we knew about back on January 2nd? Like, a young guy like that, why is he not recovering? Why is he not bouncing back? Why is he not ready to play? And especially since he said, physically, I can pretty much do anything. And then went out and proved it in warm-ups with the windmill dunks. So I know that you're like, well, Rome, why isn't it okay to rush up in here with Zion National Pork references or Air Gumbo Gloss? You know why? We're just playing a little game here, you and I, clones. I say it's not okay, and you do it anyway. I say it's not okay because I don't want to condone that kind of thing, but I know you're going to do whatever the hell you want anyway, so what's it matter what I say? Since when does it matter to you what I say, clones? You do whatever you want anyway. Anyway, don't do it as they start coming in. To me, I'm not, it's not a weight loss dig. 
I'm just wondering why it's taking him so long to recover. Why he's not ready. Like, put it this way. He said it himself. I'm really competitive. I really love the game. Okay. I'll take that at face value. And then if you're doing everything in your power every single day like a pro to come back from this injury to be there for your team, how are you not ready yet? It's been months. I'm just trying to understand. You know, then on top of that, the optics, once again. Everybody woke up this morning and had the same thought, the same take. How horrendous it looks that you're in there throwing down windmill dunks but then not playing after saying that physically you're fine. Just not a good look. You know why they're saying it's not a good look? Because it's not a good look. Zion says he does not want to play unless he's feeling like himself. And once again, I'm trying to figure out who exactly he feels like if he does not feel like himself. And when the hell is Zion going to feel like Zion? I'm sure his teammates are wondering the exact same thing. I'm sure Pelican fan would love to know as well. Zion said he does not want to play unless he knows that he can, quote, go out there and have a big impact for my team. He then continued, quote, I know what the atmosphere is like. You know, a playoff atmosphere. Or he's had a playoff experience, so he knows what he'd be getting into, and he doesn't want to get into that unless he, quote, feels like Zion. Just feeling like myself and knowing that I can go out there and, uh, you know, have a big impact for my team. I don't know that they needed a big impact last night, big dude. That's the problem. They lost a really tight game. So I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're at 75%. I don't know if you're at 80%. But wouldn't 80% be better than no percent? And wouldn't 80% maybe be the difference between you winning and losing last night? If you really understood the playoff atmosphere the way you do or say you do, would you not understand that your teammates would have taken any help last night that they could have gotten from you? Any support, especially considering they only lost by five points. Would you not have been worth five points last night? I don't know. Seeing you get up and throwing it down in warm-ups, you look like you might have been worth five points. You said yourself, physically, there's almost nothing I can't do right now. So, if you being out there Would that have been the difference between them winning and losing that game? I can't say with certainty, but maybe, probably, I can't blame Pelican's fan for being frustrated and confused and fed up with Zion this morning. Because Pelican's fan's been really patient. And for all that patience, they get rewarded with viral footage of their franchise player, their supposed superstar, dunking repeatedly in warm-ups before the biggest game of the year, but then he did not suit up. And I have another question. Like, he doesn't get it. My man does not get it. It's kind of jarring to me that he doesn't get it. He said it himself the other day, people are coming for me on social. How do you not get this? That's why I made the joke, my guy. Piece of advice, which you don't want to do before the game is get up and throw down windmill dunks, which is exactly what he did. Like, it's jarring to me how tone deaf this guy is, that he does not understand the bleep storm that he was going to create for himself. However, somebody close to him would know, right? I mean, I can't believe that he doesn't know, but how does somebody not pull him aside and say, big dude, maybe lay off the windmills for just tonight. Better yet, why don't we take it easy on dunking 
in general before the game, just for tonight. You said it yourself. You're feeling the heat a little bit on social media. Do not bring any more on yourself. Most of all, do not bring another bleep storm to yourself. Don't give them another reason to drag you again all night long on Twitter. Do yourself a favor, my dude. Stick to layups. Say you gave it a shot. You tried to get loose. You didn't feel right. How does he not understand how terrible that optic is when he's the supposed leader and future and hope of that franchise and telling everybody that he's physically fine and then going out there and proving it with these windmill dunks and then for the biggest game of the year, just shutting it back down. How does he not know? How does he think people are going to react to that? And how is there not one person on his personal team or that organization who is going to preempt this and say, because you know he's got it in him, he did it. He did it again. How does somebody not say, dude, whatever you do, here's what you don't want to do. How do you think the Twitter trolls and the rest of the world are going to react to this? Does he think the national media is just going to lap that up? Does he think people are going to applaud him for the big show he put on before the game he didn't show up for? He says he doesn't understand why people think, quote, he wants to sit on the sideline just to sit over there. For those people that think that I just want to sit on the sideline just to sit over there, uh, I don't know why people think that. I can help you with that, big dude. It's because of all the things you're saying and all the things you're doing, and it's because people think that you're fine because you told them that you were fine. And then you dunk in everybody's face, and then you don't play. That's why people think that. That's why they think that. I mean, the one thing I think we can all agree on, you're right. It does suck. It does suck. I mean, like, where do you go from here? Now what do you do? What happens now? I mean, hopefully he feels like Zion again soon because he's got a lot of work to do to make up for being the biggest loser of the play-in tournament without even playing in the tournament. A lot of work to do with the public and, more importantly, I mean, never mind the public. More importantly, from the sounds of it, he's got work to do in his own locker room. He's got work to do with his own teammates. Check out this comment from team leader C.J. McCollum. Throughout my career, I've always been the type of player to to do whatever it takes to help the team. Um, I could have took the easy way out and got surgery and sat and watched, but I'm not that type of person, not that type of player. Even though it affected my performance, some nights I never made excuses. I just go compete and do the best that I can and um, I always try to lead by example. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. So there you have it. CJ, CJ McCollum saying, hey, listen, I'm just the type of guy to be out there no matter what. If I can get out there, I'm going to get out there. And even if I'm not right, I'm going to give the team whatever I have. And of course, I don't want to be out there if I don't feel right. But I got to be out there for my teammates. So he didn't mention Zion by name, but he didn't have to. We knew who and what he was talking about. Listen, listen. If you're, say, the dunk contest winner, Mac McClung, then it's fine to dunk during the pregame. 
because he wasn't going to play in the game. But if you're Zion Williamson, you think they needed their big guy in a win-or-go-home moment? Yeah, there's two topics here, right? Why was he not ready? Why is he not recovered? Why is he not healthy or healthy enough? And then on top of that, why is he dunking in the pregame warm-ups if he knows he's not going to play? I mean, the way this is going, my man is going to be on a slam ball team during this summer. And then show up for the start of the next year and say, you know what? Zion still does not feel like Zion. He'll be taken off from trampolines from like 100 feet out, doing 720 jams. Nope, still not ready. Still not feeling right. Yeah, but my man, you got elbow pads, knee pads, a helmet, mouth guard. You're throwing down from the roof. Yeah, still not feeling right. Yeah, but you look right. Yeah, but I don't feel right. And I don't understand why anybody thinks I don't want to be out there. Well, again, because of what you say and what you do. Feel like Zion. So if you don't feel like Zion, what do you feel like right now? Van Smack? I mean, what do you feel like, dude? Because you look fine, and you said you were fine. And you heard C.J. McCollum. And believe me, his, his word carries a lot of weight. 1-800-636-8686. So where does that leave them? Where does that leave him? I'm not even going like crazy hot take with it like, get his ass out of here, trade him, trade him. I'm just saying, Zion, what up? Big fella, I'm trying to understand. What's going on? Why are you not ready yet? All right, you're not ready yet. Why? Why are you not ready yet? A hamstring injury from January 2nd. If you're doing everything in your power every single day to get ready, why are you not ready? Availability is your best ability, and you're never available. Except now you say you are, and you're still not. Huh? Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. Eric Neander is my guest. He joins us via Zoom. Eric, it's great to have you on the show. How are you? Well, not a bad way to open up the uh, 25th anniversary <laughs> season here. You think, my man, I would say, I know you'll tell me it's early and I'm not going to disagree. You're not wrong, but 12-0 and is 12-0 and and you're not just 12-0, and but you're flat out dominating. What's it like to go to the ballpark every single night when your team is doing the types of things it's doing? Yeah, it's been, it, it, it's been fun. You know, this, the last few years, you know, 19 and 196, 2020, the COVID season, you know, we went 40 and 20. Um, 21, we won 100 games. Last year, we won 86, and we got knocked out in two games in the postseason. That was a big disappointment. So to to come back out, and I think obviously the not the exact record, but the way we've played, the way we've executed, more in line with where prior to last season. Uh, that's been nice to see, and uh, it's been great for for these players to get a little recognition for what they're doing. It's well deserved, and uh, just come to the park and 
letting them enjoy the, themselves each day and staying out of the way. Eric Neander joining us. So when you talk about players getting the recognition they deserve, let's talk about a few of these guys. Your top prospect, Taj Bradley, made his major league debut last night. He showed out five strong innings, three runs allowed. He punched out eight, struck out eight. What's it like? I'm curious. What's it like to watch your prized prospect hit the bump for the first time as a major leaguer? And then how did he look to you last night? He did. He did great. The first first inning, a little amped up, sprayed the ball to, you know, the walk to lead off the game. But then uh, came around, punched out Devers, got the double play ball, kept his pitch count in a reasonable place to go out and give us five. And um, he found his footing pretty quick. So it's it's stuff. For sure, uh, Taj is as mature as they come for for his age. Um, you know, was was raised right. His mom was there last night. It was her birthday. That was pretty special. But uh, to come out in the middle of this stretch that that we've had, uh, with the expectations that come with it, to to go out for five innings, only walk one. You know, to be that aggressive against a good lineup, it was uh, nice to see. But something we believed he had in him, and why he had that opportunity last night. You know, I thought I looked at electric. You know, when you look at your rotation, the way you're doing it so far, and I understand, again, it's still early. You're doing it, it seems to me, Eric, in a very different manner than you've traditionally done. And you're using guys, and you're leaving them out there. It just seems like you have a rotation that you're using in almost a traditional manner. It's early, but how confident are you that you've got five guys that would stand a full season's workload in an actual five-man rotation? Does it feel like that? Yeah, I think the the big thing for us and as we've constructed staffs over time is to try to put players in a position to find success. This is uh, it's hard to succeed at this level. Uh, it's hard to find confidence sometimes. And, you know, our goal is to, to put our players in a position where they feel like they can do more than what they're currently being asked to do. And if they're all feeling that way, then we're going to be in a pretty good spot. And um, these are five starters right now that, well, when we're fully healthy, you know, in the way our designs this year, uh, once Glass Nuggets back, Zach Eflin should be a short Ielston here. Those five in particular, our opinion of them is that they're in a position based on their ability level to to carry the ball deep into games. And uh, so far in the opportunities they've had when they've been out there, they've they've demonstrated that. And when it comes to posting for thirty plus starts a year, you know, that's that's an additional factor we're going to manage as we go. But from the merits of their abilities on a game to game basis, uh, they deserve to have the ball basically until they're they're out of pitches for that game. So, Eric, what about the other 13 guys, the 13 position players you carry? Again, it's early, but your guys are mashing and you've outscored your opposition 92 to 27. The metrics are mind boggling. How encouraged are you then that you're getting contributions literally from everybody on the roster? Yeah, it's been it, that's as as pleasant a development as we've had, not because individually that, you know, I think each of them has the potential to go on a kind of run that they've had. But collectively, they they're all doing it, you know, and the few that aren't are helping us win games with their legs, their athleticism, their defense, um, you know, their work behind the plate. And, uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of fun. And I, I don't know how much they pay attention to what's going on, but there was a lot of talk about our offense. Historically, that's been the thing. But certainly this winter, we didn't make a move to to bring in any position players. And so far, these guys have done a heck of a job um, showing us that, that was we, we handled this the right way with this group. Eric Neander joining us. Eric, you know, it feels like maybe, given the nature of that division, you might need every single win that you've already banked, given the rugged nature of the AL East, which sent three teams to the postseason last year. Top to bottom, could you make the argument that that division might even be more challenging this year than last year? 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's safe to say, but it's something we're we're used to. The, the last time we won the division in 21, I think it's seems like forever ago now. I think there are four teams that won 90 plus that year. It's it's a tough division. It has historically been a difficult division, a very competitive division, and uh, somehow, some way, uh, fully expect it to be that again. And when you look at this this division top to bottom this year, I think the expectations are there. And our, certainly our assessments of these five teams are that uh, this is perhaps as good as it's ever been. So, Eric, no disrespect intended. And my favorite line is whenever somebody says no disrespect intended, somebody might be disrespected. I don't mean that at all. Let me ask you this. You don't make the schedule. You can only play who you play. But how much of all of this is about how you're playing versus who you have played? Yeah, I think, look, the the most honest answer is that both of those things are, are relevant, no matter the the opponent that that you're facing i think what what we're keying in on right now is our execution you know are we executing pitches the way that we expect to and we have the ability to um is our health where we expect it to be uh our position players are we swinging at the right pitches when we're getting good pitches to hit are we doing something with them and so far i think within the things that this group can control you can't ask for anything more than than what they've done so far and as as you noted, they haven't just won these games. They've um, they've won them most of them pretty pretty convincingly. And uh, it's a long year. You know, the only things that I think that we see as givens for this year is that we're going to win at least twelve games this season, and uh, that we've got a pretty talented bunch. So we'll see where it all shakes out. But uh, they, you got the games you got in front of you, and our guys have done a good job making the most of those so far. I think you got a really good look at winning those 12 games. I feel pretty good about that bet. Eric, let me ask you this. When you talk about the group, like whenever you lose key vets, including somebody like Kevin Kiermaier, there's always that concern about how that's going to impact the clubhouse and the overall team chemistry. Obviously, this is not a concern, at least not yet. How would you describe the overall vibe of this group and how quickly they have come together in the way they play together? Yeah, it's, you know, last year, Kevin Kiermaier, Mike Zanino, a couple of our, our key vets um, that have been with us the last several years and through our postseason runs here, uh, you know, they were injured. And so this this group we have this year had the chance over the couple last the tail end of last year, last few months uh, to play with one another. And they were a little beat up um, or a lot beat up. Um, you know, as we got into the end of the year, but they've been around each other and year over year, there tends to be a little bit more turnover with our groups than than what we experience. But, um, you know, effectively, the group we finished last year with that was active, plus Brandon Lau, who wasn't. And then adding Zach Eflin, you know, as a big free agent sign for us in the pitching side. This is the as much as we've ever returned uh, a group year over year while being competitive. And uh, that's helped. These guys gelled early. Kevin Cash and the staff made a priority to make sure that the the culture, the relationships in the clubhouse were emphasized during spring training. Did a wonderful job of that. And uh, certainly so far, um, they sure look like they're enjoying themselves and picking one another up pretty well. So one quick thing you mentioned, Zach, let me ask you about him. He got a three-year, $40 million deal, which was the largest free agent deal in the history of that franchise. That's a big swing for you. A little bit out of character, even, I could argue. Was there a change in philosophy moving forward, or is that just indicative of the player and how strongly you feel about him? Yeah, I think more more the latter. Uh, just the player that we really, really believe in. And um you know, our, our revenues are what they are compared to some of our competitors. And, 
Um, we try to be disciplined with just how much impact we get out of the money that we put into this team, certainly. But uh, we've, we have for a while carried a really strong opinion of Zach. And uh, this is one where, and is often the case, there's players that we really believe in that we, we want to get our hands on. We're pretty stubborn in that and committed in uh, our evaluations and the conviction within our group. And we try to go out and get them. And Zach fit into that that bucket um and we're really thankful we've got him here for the next three years all right so one day at a time but so far so great 12 and 0 another chance today against the red sox in fact shortly eric neander my guest eric i really appreciate you i know it's right before game time so thanks for making time for us always good to have you on the show appreciate you happy to likewise jim thanks very much all right eric have a great day nice job clones what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy not bars not sugary snacks not energy drinks you want beef pure and simple where's the beef it's in a package of old trapper beef jerky old trapper is not your old man's jerky shriveled dry tasteless Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Last night, so credit where credit's due. I hit hard. I hit back against the play-in for being the gimmicky little tourney that it is. And those who were trying to tell us how great the Lakers and the T-Wolves were when really it was ass on both sides, last night was better. Last night we had some halfway decent basketball. Some hoops that didn't make me want to gouge my own eyes out and throw myself off a cliff or light myself on fire. Not that the Lakers and the T-Dogs set a very high bar. In fact, they set the lowest bar ever. But still, last night was pretty entertaining. Pretty solid couple of ball games. Unless you are a Raptor fan. Because Raptor fan is all kinds of bent this morning. Bent about their own pulling a T-ass and gagging a 19-point second-half lead to Eddie Munster's squad. Bent. Thanks, Alvy. Welcome back. Bent about Thank Zach you. Levine going nuclear and setting the Raptors on fire in their own house. But more than anything else, Raptor fan is bent about a nine-year-old girl. That's right, a nine-year-old girl who was arguably the star of the game last night. Look, we all know Zach was the actual star of the game. Dude put up 32 in a scintillating second half. Honestly, it was breathtaking. It was unbelievable to watch. I'm not going to overlook that. I'm not going to ignore that. I'm just saying it certainly did look like a nine-year-old girl actually impacted the game almost as much as he did and from the stands. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like that didn't happen. And we're not just talking about any nine-year-old girl. We are talking about D.R. DeRozan, the daughter to DeMar. And right now, the viral sensation of the so-called play-in tournament. 
DR took it upon herself to troll the hell out of the Raptors at the free throw line by screaming at the very top of her lungs right before every single free throw attempt. And amazingly enough, it appeared to be incredibly effective. Amazingly enough, the Raptors responded to that by absolutely melting down at the line. Toronto was 18 for 36 at the stripe last night, which is not only 28% below their season average, it's the worst free throw shooting game for that franchise since 1997. Quinky dink? I think not. The second worst free throw shooting night in the history of the franchise. Period. In their own arena. So to reset that, the Raptors got trolled right the hell out of the play-in tournament by a nine-year-old girl in their own house. That is brutal. I'm not sure that's quite T-Dog's pathetic, but it might be. And the fact that we're even talking about it at all tells you everything you need to know. I mean, when have you ever heard of a highlight reel for a nine-year-old girl in the stands? And not only that, but a highlight reel that might have impacted the outcome of a playing game. And before you tell me I'm wrong, listen for the very distinct pattern here when I play it. I'm going to give you a heads up. The pattern is something like scream, brick. Scream, brick. Scream, brick. Check this. Particular game, if he steps the wrong way or something. Visit to Florida State. Ask me, what did you Patrick said? I was down for whatever Coach Hamilton. Underrated passer, doing a nice job. In terms of the total number or the yeah. quality of shots, I'm com- comfortable. Tell me, life is really good for him right now. He's in a good headspace coming in. I, who, the handle is maybe not as tight. A 20 point advantage. This guy thinks he can do more offensive. Third and fourth periods. He always showed up to practice in a uniform, a work uniform. He can... can you hear it? Can you hear it? Said very much still the way he hangs in the Screen air. break. Screen break. That wasn't some like high-level technology. That was not some boom mic that they hung over her head. Like she was being picked up by courtside mics. Broadcast mics. No clones. That was not the rest of the patrons when Zion walks into McDonald's. Just stop. The Raptors, because I'm trying to do a take here. The Raptors were so mentally melted by this nine-year-old girl that by the time their star, Pascal Siakam, stepped to the line with three free throws to potentially tie it with 12 seconds left. Was there anybody anywhere who thought that he was going to knock in all three? Life is really good for him right now. He's in a good headspace. Say say what you will about the T-ass, and I have, but at least Mike Conley stepped up and drilled his three throws to tie it. At least Mike Conley didn't puke all over himself at the stripe because a nine-year-old girl was screaming in the stands in their own building. She is so awesome. There's no defense for that, I guess. Siakam, of course, only made one of those three critical free throws with the game and the season on the line, and that effectively ended the game and the season for the Raptors. After the game, DeMar said that he owes his daughter some cash. Man, that is the least that he 
and the rest of them can do. Shoot, she should be on the roster. She should be a member of the starting five. My daughter called me the other day um, when she was getting out of school, and she was just, you know, she just said, Dad, can I, can I come to the Toronto game? I remember going to all the Toronto games when she was a kid, and I almost said no because she in school back home. Um, she kept asking. She was just adamant about coming to support. And I just said, uh, you, you can miss one day at school and, you know, come to a game. And I'm glad I did. Um, I owe her some money for sure. Coming to support? Uh, no, nah, she got to go back to school. school first. Coming to support or coming to win the game for you? You heard he said at the very end? No, she has to go back to school. Listen, again, I don't want to ever, ever have anybody tell me how to raise my kids. So I never, ever tell anybody how to raise their kids. But Damar, this whole thing about you're going to let her go back to school and that she's not going to be there? To support the team, my man, you're all class. You're one of my favorites, but that is not a good call. She should be able to miss as much school as it takes to keep y'all alive in the postseason. In fact, I'd let her drop out of school. I don't mean for the rest of the semester. I mean for the rest of her life. She's already accomplished more than she than most people ever do at nine really with her act last night. And how many people can hit that note as consistently as she hit that note? Really and don't tell me it didn't work. They shot 50%. Don't tell me that that was not the difference in that game. Yeah, sure. Zach Levine was pretty good last night, going for 32 in the second half. But not as good as DR. Sorry, but she's got to be in Miami. You can't unlock this superpower and then leave it behind for the biggest game of the year. Even the Bulls themselves agree. At Chicago Bulls, their official Twitter feed, at Chicago Bulls to DR DeRozan's teacher, may we kindly request DR be excused from school on Friday. The team is tweeting things like this. They also went with MVP of the night. Along with a graphic that read, DR DeRozan, player of the game, 36 screams, Raptors 50% on free throws. Third and fourth period. The only thing better than the Bulls' social team leaning all the way into this troll job is Raptor fan getting all bent about it. Imagine blaming a nine-year-old girl for your team losing a playing game at home. Imagine wanting the nine-year-old daughter of a player ejected from an arena. Imagine being mad at a nine-year-old girl for just being a fan. Instead of being mad at the grown-ass men who are paid to do a job and couldn't do their job and couldn't shoot any better than 50% at the free throw line, this is who you should be directing your anger at, not some nine-year-old girl. But if it's any consolation, Toronto fan, you didn't just lose to a nine-year-old girl. You lost to a pretty talented team that, up until last night, was having a hugely disappointing season. Obviously, Zach, DeMar, they're no joke. Obviously, that monster kid, he can coach. Lakers used Pat Bev as a fork, but as he has since explained, he's really a spoon. And the Bulls have gotten the most out of that spoon. That makes sense to me. They also have one of my favorite players of all time. In fact, one of the best basketball players of all time in the Caruso, a.k.a. the one that got away from LeCap. 
That's who the Raptors actually lost to. They did not lose to a nine-year-old. They just got completely mentally owned by that nine-year-old. That's the difference there. Pretty amazing. Then in the same week that we talked about Izzy Adesanya taunting a little kid, a little kid psyched the crap out of the Raptors. I'm petty, bro. Trolled them right the hell out of their season in their own house. How great would that have been if that little girl said, I'm petty, I'm petty, bro. I'm petty, I'm bro. Petty, bro. I remember. So the first time you knocked me out. DR better hope that Pascal does not pull an Izzy and show up to her next elementary school gym class to heckle the hell out of her while she's trying to get her jump rope in or hit a hopscotch. You know, I'm like, you but somehow you. I got a feeling like she'll I be able to handle it. Don't do it for you. She'd probably handle it better than Pascal did at the free throw line. And she got game. Ball don't lie. And if anybody's asking, no, no, Pat Bev did not jump up on the scorer's table and throw his jersey into the crowd and start crying. Although I wish he had. He didn't tell the Raptors to take this ass home. Take their ass home. Like he told the Clippers after his T-Wolves eliminated them in last year's playing game. How great a moment was that? Take their ass home. Take their ass home. I wish he had. He didn't last night. Just don't start labeling Pat Mr. Playing yet. The Bulls have to win another game against the Heat. And one last thing. Raptors fan, I'll pick you up. At least you have Fred Van Vliet. Tough to see your team lose in the way it did, but at least you still have that trophy, or he has, for the ref rant of the year. Nobody can ever take that from this this guy. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was terrible tonight um I thought that on most nights you know a couple other you know out of the three there's one or two that just yeah, the game up you know and it's, it's it's been like that a couple couple games in a row um Denver was tough obviously you come out tonight you're competing pretty hard the third quarter I get a bullshit tech changes the whole dynamic of the game change the whole flow of the game and um you know most of the refs are trying hard I like a lot of the refs are trying hard they're pretty fair they communicate well and then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um, just kind of the game up. Nobody's coming to see that. They come to see the players. And um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was. And um, it's been disappointing this season. Um, you can look up most of my texts this year have been with Ben Taylor officiating. So at a certain point as a player, you feel it's personal. And um, it's never a good place to be. That's not why we lost tonight. We got outplayed. Um, but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome. My man, that's amazing. They should have been allowed to skip the play-in on the strength of that alone. In fact, they should have been given a free ride right to the NBA Finals on the strength of that alone. That is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. Kalen DeBoer is my guest. Kalen, good to have you back. How are you? I'm great. It's always great having uh, being on your show. I appreciate you having me Always on. good to have you on, Kalen. Always good to talk to you. So give me your thoughts. What about spring practice? How has it gone from your standpoint, and what's it been like getting your team back on the grass? How do they look to you? Yeah, it, it's been great. Um, really excited. Uh, there was a lot of excitement coming in, and uh, we did a unique thing. We had three practices before we went to spring break and, and came back, and the energy has just been uh, been been off the charts. and. Um, you know, it's going really fast uh, with that break we had and, and uh, kind of three practices in, um, you know, the last uh, 10 um, have flown by. So here we are in the home stretch and, and uh, guys are doing a good job of just bringing the right mindset every single day, trying to get better and 
not taking anything uh, for granted. You know, the success we had a year ago, um, yes, there's great momentum, but it doesn't, uh, none of those points, none of those wins carry over to the 2023 season. Mm, interesting. I am jumping in because I was going to ask you that very point. Like every single season is its own entity, its own chapter. I understand that. But last year you did close out the year by winning your final seven games, including that Alamo Bowl game over Texas. So does any of that carry into the season? Does it impact your players' collective mindset and approach in any way? Or is that over there and this is over here now? Yeah, I think there's definitely momentum, there's energy, there's excitement, um, there's there's lessons from the season before that you always, you know, keep learning from, especially when you have a, a lot of returners. But, um, you know, it all starts over and you can, you know, there's new leaders emerging and, and uh, we have so many great players that return, but we also, you know, lost a few here and there, uh, some interior offensive linemen, a, a great edge and Jeremiah Martin and uh, some guys in the in the back half of the defense as well. So new leadership has to emerge. Uh, guys are stepping up into even bigger and, and better roles. And so, um, you know, you're trying to help those guys uh, understand what that is and how to lead um, and step into those opportunities. Kevin DeBora joining us once again. Speaking of guys coming back, we're dynamic. How thrilled were you when Michael Penix Jr. announced that he would return for another year? And then how would you describe what this dynamic QB and leader means to your program? Yeah, it was uh, it was our end-of-the-year banquet uh, in early December last year, and he surprised us all with uh, a video. He had one of the members of our creative make uh, behind the scenes, you know, kept his, keeping it all secret. So it was a great way to have a, a, a banquet and I've learned that uh, you can just you know be awful as far as what your banquet looks like but if you're a returning quarterback who's a Heisman hopeful uh, you know decides he's returning and, and puts a video together uh, there's no worries the banquet's always gonna you know always gonna be a success so uh, he is that guy you know just as far as uh, production on the field and how um, you know that just that confidence spreads to our whole team um, it's cool just because he's got an awesome personality as well. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy's guy too, you know, when it comes to that. And he has fun uh, being around his teammates. And he's, he's got a humility to him that, uh, you know, makes him really, you know, a guy that, you know, his teammates root for. I think the community roots for and everyone across the country that knows his story certainly roots for as well. He's a dude. Kalen DeBoer joining us. I'll give you another one. How about the other side of the ball? Defensive end, Braylon Trice coming back. here in first team All-Pac-12 honors. He had nine sacks last season. He was named the defensive MVP of that Alamo Bowl. What's he bring to the defense? How are you feeling about that side of the ball right now? Yeah, it starts with uh, our edges and Braylon, you know, had just a phenomenal uh, season. And um, he just does it all. You know, the pass rushes, I think, what – uh, really gets a lot of the, the you know notoriety and mentions, but um, he's just good against the run, and he's this physical presence and same character traits. You know, I'm talking about with Mike, uh, just a guy who you know um, enjoys being a great teammate and uh, works his, his tail off. And there's a ass is okay, coach. That. Ass is okay, coach. He works his What's ass that? off. That's okay. He does. He definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll say it it's all right go ahead continue that thought sorry about that yeah no no um yeah he does and so uh you know it just it starts up front and, and his presence and you know havoc he caused in the backfield um is uh is definitely where it starts so bruh zion zion uh ztf in our way in our way of saying it's uh, zion tupu olaf patui 
he does a great job as well on the other side, and those two edges together. Um, cause a lot of problems for opponents, that's for sure. Kevin DeBoer joining me for a few more moments. You know, when you talk about energy, watching you last year, you went 7-0 and at home, and we know Husky Stadium can be, once that place is rocking, and it was last year, that can be a really difficult environment for opposing teams to venture into. So how gratifying was it to see the students and the community bring that kind of heat, bring that kind of energy, and they brought it all season long? What was that environment like? Yeah, it, it's special. Uh, this, this place, um, you know, um, has a lot of history to it, and, and because of that, there's a, a, some, a deep-rooted support that our community has, the alumni as well. And, um, you know, once we got on a roll and, and people saw the exciting uh, kind of style of football that we played um, and, and, you know, the confidence we played it with, um, everyone jumping on board made it even a harder place for our opponents to come into. But uh, this place gets rocking, and, uh, you know, by the looks of it, uh, they're pretty fired up uh, as far as, Ticket sales and all that stuff. Uh, we're excited for the 2023 season, you know, and all the Husky Nation and their presence are going to make an impact this year as well. You know, so before you go, you're not going to make it about you, but when you speak of the tradition, and it is, it's it's a program that's got a great, great tradition. So you're there one year. They reward you with a new deal, adding a couple of years to your contract. Normally, I'm not getting into the business of the business, but most first-year coaches, Kalen, do not get that kind of reward or that kind of vote of confidence from the university. How did that feel to you, and what did that represent to you? Yeah, it means a lot. And, and like you said, I'm just a small part of the history at this point. But, uh, man, I'm sure, sure – uh, you know, got got a uh, attitude of gratitude towards uh, you know the support I've been given personally, you know, by our our president and our athletic director Jen Cohen, and um, you know, just uh, it, it's exciting because I think uh, you know when you show that faith in your coach and and other staff members, your coaches across the board, um, it's it's easy to help sell and continue to build that momentum when you're recruiting and and trying to bring uh, you know other difference makers into your program. All right, so a quick follow, and then I'll let you go because you brought up recruiting. There are certain things that are beyond your control, and you know not to worry about those things. What about the future of the Pac-12? Again, beyond your control, but when you mention recruiting, what do you tell recruits who ask, hey, Coach, what's going on with the conference? What's it going to look and feel like once USC and UCLA leave? Yeah, I think no matter where uh, where we're at, um, short-term, long-term, I think uh, you know time's changed, obviously, also with the uh, uh, the um, the 12 team playoff, you know, and, and that getting added. And so with all we have to offer here at UW, when it comes to football and uh, the resources and support and then the academic piece as well, on top of it, um, you know, we're always going to have a good landing spot, a good place to be. Um, I guess I just, you know, don't say that in a cocky way or arrogant way. Um, but I do feel like we got a special, you know, we have a special place here um, that, yeah, that everyone's going to want, you know, and so um, just I think timing's always everything, and we'll see how that plays out. But um, you know, our guys are always going to know that they got a chance to compete for, you know, championships here at UW. All right, so I lied. Since you mentioned that, then I'll let you go. The Huskies are being mentioned as legitimate contenders to reach the college football playoff and a team that has a shot at winning the whole thing. How are you approaching that? I mean, I think you kind of started to answer that yourself, but do you embrace those expectations? Do you block them out? Do you talk openly about them with your players? What are you doing with those expectations now from the outside? Yeah, I think it's it's great being in those mentions and and people bring it up and um you know we we that that shows respect and so we appreciate that um and uh we put a lot of hard work in to get 
to that point where we're, we're talking about a little bit more in that uh, in that way. But we know um, again we're going to have to do the work, and, and we care about how we're perceived and where we're at at the end of the year. And so um, you know, as we go through the season, um, hopefully we're putting in ourselves in a good spot by improving every single day and doing what we need to do to uh, be at the right place at the right time. Huskies. Uh, you know, when those four games, mm-hmm. uh, when those four teams are announced. Sorry about that, Kalen. That's all on me. The Huskies are going to play their spring preview game the 22nd of April, and they're going to open up their season September 2nd against Boise State, coming off a huge year. They had the Pac-12 Coach of the Year from 2022, Kalen DeBora. Kalen, really appreciate you. Always good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for that visit. I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, appreciate you too. Thank you. Let's go to New Orleans. Tommy, good to have you. Tommy, how are you? James Earl Rome, what is up, my brother? What's up, dude? Uh, Dude, I got this hot take thing covered for you, okay, if you don't want to do it. Zion is a punk. We're done, okay? Jamarcus Russell thinks this guy's a punk. I mean, he's a he's a veritable modern-day Todd Marinovich. I mean, it's like he hadn't played in 16 years, but he's only been in the league for, like I don't know what, 16 months. And and this goes back a long way, Rome. Uh, you know, Baron Davis, Chris Paul, Street Clothes Davis. I mean, this team is a stepping stone in the NBA. You know, that game was sold out last night, Rome sold out and part of this falls on the ownership who by the way are the same as the, who own the saints uh they need to get serious and move on from this guy or just sell the damn team um you know the only reason okc exists and that's a fun fact is because our team went to okc during katrina that's the only reason they have a basketball a base basketball team i did take okc on the money line now so in the spirit of uh true transparency um, and I cannot watch that St. Rams thing, dude. I can't do it. can't do it. <laughs> My and, man. Yeah. I got you, Tommy. Let me jump in. I appreciate you, dude. Good job. Really well done. This is what I'm looking for. When I say good job, give me a reaction. You don't need – I don't even need a reaction. Give me a take. Have a take. Don't suck. First stop, he sets the tone. We go to Alabama. Tom in Alabama. Good to have you, Tom. What's your beef? Romy, My man. Listen, my beef is my two adult children. I let them live in my house, 26, 29. Those cats write notes at night to their mom about who ate the little Debbies. But nobody says nothing about who drank my beer. I feel you. No, I got you, Tom, for sure. That's a problem. If you got a 26-year-old, Savage, you know you live at home. You're You're like 34, right? Just kidding, Jack. Don't kill me. If you're 26 and you live at home and you have a brother who's 29 and he lives at home, hey, man, pony up for the little Debbies and the beer for your parents. They're doing you a solid. Tom is right. 1-800-636-8686. Starting with some little Debbie smack. Let's go this time to from Alabama, of course. Of course. Nick Saban. Little Debbies. I wonder if Sabin loses his bleep if somebody drinks his beer. What kind of beer do you think Sabes drinks? Is he an IPA guy? All right, I'm getting away from it. The beefs are more important. Let's go to Green Bay. Patrick in Green Bay. Patrick, what's your beef? Hey, first time caller there, Mr. Rome. Hey, I've got a little bit of a beef with uh, Mr. Brooks Kepka. Uh, whining and, cr- and crying after his terrible play on Sunday uh, about the fact that John Rahm 
uh, took too many potty breaks or was in the, uh, had to go to the restroom too many times, slowing down play. Come on, quit your whining. I feel you. I like Brooks Kepka. I didn't really like that response. And one thing I like about him is he plays quickly. He does not mess around. He's definitely moving through it. But if you mess with his rhythm, I would say, Brooks, it's not the best look when you had that lead and you let Rom not only run you down but blow right by you in the final round 75. Run and then your ass down. He did run your ass down. And then he complained about the slow play of others. That's not the best look. Let's go to, oh, now we're getting international with it. This is interesting. Apparently, we're going to go to Sweden. And apparently, Johannes has a call. Johannes in Sweden. Hello, Johannes. What is your beef? (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Rome, my beef are with groupies. For instance, my boys and I were playing a concert at the Nebraska State Fair, and I made the mistake of hooking up with this bird, and one thing led to another, and we ended up on the great tour bus, and I shagged her. And afterwards, I was totally inundated, big word, with all these text messages, postcards, letters, frozen steaks from Omaha, and I'm a vegan, for God's sakes. I mean, woman, have some boundaries. Johannes, thank you very much. And I'm not really sure who or what you're speaking of. Methylene. Or what happened to your accent. Go ahead and rack Johannes. Rack him! Somebody else taking a run at methylene in a different way. Johannes. 1-800-636-8686. This is such a bad idea. Why this guy is doing this, I have no idea, given the week he's had. But I said you can beef about anything you want. Let's go to Sacktown. He's already had a bad week. Maybe he starts to build himself back up. Maybe he chips away. Maybe he starts to redeem himself. Or maybe he makes it a lot worse. Let's find out. Ryan in Sacramento. Ryan, what's up with you? What's your beef? <laughs> oh, Johannes, some uh, warm butter ain't going to cure those pinchers you got in Omaha. But hey, Jim, my beef is with the Save Mart some. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Hey, not Ryan, you call. did that stupid, all-knowing, somebody's about to get roasted laugh thing again. That smug... Somebody is about to get lit on fire, roasted. Oh, oh Johnny Johannes. Oh, Johnny, Johnny boy. boy. Oh, Van Smack. Oh, Fresno. Oh, Central Cali. Oh, 909. Oh, America. Oh, the planet. Oh, Johnny boy in New York. Ryan, what the hell has happened to you? What's going on? Let's go to Albuquerque, the ABQ, an original four affiliate, Dan in Albuquerque. What's your beef, Dan? Absolutely, Jim. Back from the mid-90s, original, been listening since then. My man. My beef is with urgent care. You walk in there, first thing I ask you, do you have an appointment? That's like saying... Hey, have you uh, called ahead of time to come to the emergency room? No. 
this injury, this bullet wound, this broken arm, it just happened. I didn't have time to make an appointment. Then the other thing, same thing with urgent care. I walked in, had, a, had, a, had an emergency. I had to go to the hospital. Eventually, they told me, said, sorry, we have nobody medical here to see you right now. Well, then shut the door, man. You know, if I don't have a mechanic, I shut the door. I'm I, out, Jim. Thanks. I like it. Good job, dude. I have a beef with urgent care asking if I have an appointment. No, it's urgent care. It just happened. It's urgent. I can't walk in with this bullet wound. I need an appointment with this bullet wound. Oh, sorry. Can you work me in? I've been shot. Good point, dude. Good point. All right, so I don't know if this is legit or not. You know how one of my favorite things about the beef segment is when there's a response to a prior beef? Am I to assume that this guy from Alabama who has a beef with his dad is one of the sons of the Alabama dad who just cracked back on his adult children? I think. Unless he's fake. Let's find out. We go back to Alabama. Tom Jr. Hey, Tom, was that your dad who called earlier and was he talking about you? Yeah, Jimbo. You know, my beef is with him, my Paul. Expecting me and my little brother to pay for those little Debbies and beer. He expects us to pay that expensive beer when Natty Lights is only $12 a case. And, Paul, why don't you and Mom keep it down while you're breaking the barn? I'm out. Got that, Pa? Why don't you and Ma keep it down when you're breaking the barn? I don't know, Junior. Why don't you get your ass up out of this house because mom, pa, ain't have sex for decades while you were living here. <laughs> Keep it going. To the phones. Let's go to Washington. Edward in Washington. Edward, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. Hey, my beef is with my wife and her friend getting all drunk and trying to assemble outdoor patio furniture. <laughs> Not only did they strip out half the screws by using the wrong drill bit, but then they somehow blame me for not being able to fix the problem. I swear every time I look out the kitchen window, it's like, Jesus Christ, the wife has my toolbox out again. Out. <laughs> nice job. Rack him. I mean, we don't need the JC blast, but rack him. Not only does the wife have the toolbox out again, but the wife is drunk, and she's got the toolbox out again. The wife and her friend are drunk. How's that work? I do not. You have another one? That probably wouldn't be responsible. Yeah, you know what we should do? We should go home and, and get the old man's toolbox out and drill some things. Why don't we assemble the, the patio furniture? He'll be so proud. He'll be so happy I did that for him. This guy's like, no! Great. She got into the bottle and the toolbox again. What do you like here, Chalk? Are we going to go written? Or are we going to keep going phones? Let's go to Driftwoods. Ben in Driftwoods. Ben, what's your beef? Hey, Rome. How was it? Uh, my beef is with a certain Hall of Fame radio show host uh, that is the hugest watch guy and the biggest Apple fan, yet uh, will not wear the Apple Watch. When are you going to start closing out your rings and raising your VO2 max? I want to get in a competition with you and see, which, see how uh, fit you really are from the Peloton. Uh, War, Alvy keeping the Gwyneth Paltrow goop candle wax off the board. I'm out. Huh? All right, so I'll answer your question. You know, you got a pretty good point. I am a watch guy, and I am an Apple guy, so why can I not support the Apple Watch? I bought one. I bought one, yo. I got the Ultra. I'm trying to figure it out. 
I, I like my phone better. As far as when am I going to get a watch so you and I can compete to see how fit I am, I, I don't really give a damn how fit you think I am or am not. I'm not challenging you. I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying this is what I do. I'm a ask Justin Fields. I am a cardio guy. That's my deal. That's how I keep my head right. Why are you shouting out to me? Why are you calling me out? I didn't say that I could do better. I didn't say I was better. I said I don't. I'm not about the Apple Watch, and I'm a cardio guy. If you want to compete, just look for me when I get on the bike. I'm not hard to find. Hey, I'm not hard to find. I'm like Dion. I'm not hard to find. I'm on the Pelly every day, 45, 60, 75, 90. I am not hard to find. But I did get the watch. I just got to figure it out now. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Santa Rosa. Craig, good to have you. Craig, what's your beef? Hey, my beef is people that cannot get off an airplane, deboarding the airplane. I don't need a guy five seats behind me standing with his ass in my face in the aisle. Wait your turn. I like it. How about those dudes that bum rush the aisle? There's always that one. Every plane's got one. The one guy that the second you hear that ding, he's shot, shot up the aisle for whatever reason. You got some, you have to catch a connecting flight. You have some place you have to be. What none of us do? Every plane's got one. You know what else every plane has? Somebody who's first on the downgrade list. Actually, no. Every flight does not have one of those. Only one. Me. That one time. Boy, what a nightmare travel has been of late. I wouldn't know because I haven't done it, but the fam has. They have had some wild times trying to fly around in recent weeks. Phones are just banging. 1-800-636-8686. I don't know that this has ever happened. I told you I love... Somebody responding to an earlier beef. This guy is a guy that responded to an earlier beef. Remember I said today, if there's a day to call in twice, today is the day. Once before the beef segment and then once during the beef segment. I think this guy took it to mean he'd call in twice during the beef segment. We had the father from Alabama call up and say, I got a beef with my two kids. Eating the little Debbies and drinking the beer. Or something to that effect. Then one of the kids called to take a run at the old man. And now the old man is back to respond to the kid. Allegedly. Tom in Alabama. Hey, Tom, seriously, is that really you? Was that really your kid? And are you back for more? Romy, I want all the smoke. Listen, bro. To that clown that just called in. First of all, my son isn't smart enough to operate a telephone. And number two, I'm a New York transplant. My family tree has Branches. I'm out, Romy. All right, so I'm not sure what the beef was right there. I think the beef was some guy pretending to be his kid. I think that's what he's saying. That was not my kid. My kid's not smart enough, he said, to operate a phone. I'm here for all the smoke. Hey, Tom, you want to call back and make it three in one segment? Not one, not two. All right, 1-800-636-8686. Why don't we go to Pomona? Now we're talking. Let's go to Pomona. Anthony in Pomona. Anthony, what's your beef? 
Jimmy, my beef is with Ryan in Sacramento and his stupid Crispin Glover Back to the Future laugh, calling you up like, hey, Rome. <laughs> hey, so did you hear about that? <laughs> Bro, shut up with your weak takes. Stop clogging the, uh, cl- stop clogging the airways. Enjoy your first-round exit for Sacramento, like Sa- Shaq called them the Sacramento Queens. And you know what? The same thing with the Alabama guy. Bro, stop clogging up the airwaves. Leave it for good takes. War Kelly Clarkson, and I'm a... Where'd he go, Alvy? I like Anthony. My guy Anthony telling everybody else to stop clogging the airwaves. <laughs> Where'd he go, bro? That was strong. Keep it up. Let's try Little Rock. If, in fact, it's him, I like it. John in Little Rock. John is known for some of the best parodies in the history of this program. He doesn't always hit, but when he hits, he hits hard. Hard. John in Little Rock. John, what's your beef? Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Stop attacking my brain. Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Your record ain't that clean. I caught you smoking dope behind the Denny's on Broadway. That cloud was white, so full of bright. Thought I was blinded by sun rays. All right, John. I'm going to give you a C plus for that. Give me an A or give me an F. You're much better, dude, when you're absolutely dominant or you're terrible. That was just it. Anybody else? Are we staying with the calls, Chalk, or are we going to get anything written in here today? Let me read a few and let Chalk get his bearings back. Hey, Jim. My beef is with the local 5 o'clock news medical correspondent. It's dinner time. So why are you showing me 78-year-old Myrtle in an open back hospital gown receiving the latest in preventative screenings? We all love advancements in clinical research, but is it really necessary to give us provocative side shots of Granny's mams? Give this woman her dignity and switch back over to the hottie at the traffic desk ASAP. Jim and Quartz Hill. I don't know, Jim. Maybe there's some grandpas out there that want to see Granny's mams. Hey, Jim, my beef is <laughs> is with the birds in the neighborhood. 4:30 in the morning. These maniacs gather outside my window, creating a cacophony, like a thousand referee whistles. I know it's nature in springtime, but 4:30 a.m. Stupid birds. Brian in Detroit. Jim, my beef is with old man winter. I verified this morning, and yes, it's April 13th. Then why this white-ish falling from the sky? We give up. You win, old man. Time to die. Keith in Pocatello, Idaho. Dude, is this still coming down? You know what? It was raining this morning here in SoCal still. That's the equivalent, believe me. Hey, Rome. My beef is with my cousin not picking me up from LAX. I'm flying there next month to visit her, and she understandably does not want to drive through all that traffic to pick me up. The last thing I want to do after my flight from Virginia 
is sit in front of LAX waiting for the damn flyaway shuttle and then sit in standstill traffic on the interstate just to be dropped off at the metro station and ride said metro out to Monrovia surrounded by bums making screwdrivers in old Starbucks cups. Will and Richmond, man, there's a lot to unpack there, William. I told you, I, I have a cousin that I love, my first cousin, who did that to me once back in the day from Boston. Just hit me up like, yo, dude, I'm, I'm at LAX. Can you come and get me? I'm like, yo. This was before ride shares. I'm like, yo, no. No, I cannot just come and get you at LAX. I live in the 818. When? Come and get you when? I'm here now. Really? Because if I leave right now, you'll still be there tomorrow. What do you mean, can I come and get you at LAX? Will, that's a big ask, dude. A big ask. I'd have to geomap it from Monrovia, but where I used to live in the 818, that was a big ask of my cousin. And the fam didn't get it. That side, we're like, what? We'd come and get your ass. I'm like, yeah, but you don't live in L.A. And you don't deal with LAX on the regular. The craziest place in the world. You know what you should have done? You should have asked for my kidney and my liver. I would have done that first. I I absolutely would have given you my liver before I came to get you at LAX. What else we got here? Jim, my beef is with NFL GMs referring to their teams as products. It's pro football, not a reverse mortgage or term life insurance. Although maybe GMs say that because it's about as expensive to go to a game as financing solar panel products. At not a very good call tweets, Rome Slice, my beef is with the lip sweater of Matt Carpenter. Since the start of the season, that thing has bugged me so badly. It's like Caleb and Iafrady had a baby and it ended up on MC's lip. Van Smack. My beef is with all the celeb women that say, I posed nude for this and that magazine. Then upon further review, their goodies are strategically hidden behind a lamp or hands and arms or whatever. Listen here, sweetheart. If you haven't shown complete cat and melons, then you haven't posed nude. Get out from behind that lamp. Put your arms down and show it. Dang, Terry. Easy. Chalk. Easy. Apparently, Terry doesn't, and he's not happy about it. We see melons, mate. Jim Beam. My beef is with the little toes toenail that doesn't have a rounded cut. Putting on your socks at 5 a.m. and snagging that sucker is a terrible way to wake your ass up. War the Milwaukee Bucks and Brewers and on Wisconsin. Mike in Lexington living here only because of a job. Dude, you crushed that beef. Is there any dude listening right now that has not suffered from that affliction? Well, that's definitely happened to me. A lot. Rome, my beef is with the dress code for men in the office. Women get to wear dresses and skirts in the summer, but I'm expected to wear pants every day. The double standard of not being able to show a little leg in the office is archaic. 
JC in Minneapolis. Cindy's weighing in. Cindy says pants are actually way more comfortable. Rome, my beef is with the parking lot guy who circles around for a half hour looking for that sweet spot when he could have just as easily parked in the furthest space away and walked his ass inside. He needs the exercise. Chad in Ottawa, another good beef. He wore the reinvention project. Thanks, Chad. Good looking out. Dear Jim, my beef is with people who don't take their receipts from the grocery store self-checkout after they pay. Nobody wants to walk out with their own receipt and somebody else's garbage, garbage. which ends up being like two feet long. Tommy in Vermont wore the Denver Nuggets running the table in unwar Wilt Davis and the Lakers winning more than two playoff games. Susie is in. Susie from Wisco. Hey, Jim, my beef is when folks say... I just have no time to get that done, then proceed to squander their time with nonsense, chit-chat, and complaining. Make a better choice. Good point. How about a phone call or two, Jock, before we wrap this thing? You got another beef? Let's see where it is. Jim. That's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. Let me refresh and see if I can find the one. Let's see. Let's see. Checking, checking, checking. Are we done? Can we go to the phones? What do you want? Let's go to Sal in Astoria. You made it in, Sal. What's your beef? Rome Slice. My beef is with subway passengers who don't move out of the way when you say excuse to them. Take the headphones off, move out of the way, and get away from the subway door. I want to get off my stop. I'm out. There you go. The subway life. Let's walk off on that. No way. Tom in Alabama's back? Is this the dad or the kid? Is this junior or senior? This is the kid. Why not, right? The old man called twice. His son should have the right to respond. Twice. Back to Alabama. Tom Jr. Hey, Tom, what's your beef this time? Hey, Jimbo, what I want to say to my old bag of a man, just remember I know where you live, two doors down. And you better pipe down before I tell everyone that you married your sister, Savannah. At least keep it outside the first cousins like me. Yeehaw! (laughs) You know the old man's going to want back in after his fake son called and told him to keep it outside the first cousin like me? And you don't want any of the smoke because you know I'm two doors down. And he ended it with a yeehaw. Silk, is it you? Brah, happy spring break, brah. Greetings from Isla Bahia, Roatan in the Caribbean, brah. How you doing, brother? Dude, in the Caribbean, for real? Oh, for real, brah. It's, it's beautiful down here. Arrived on Saturday, watched the Masters on Sunday, like on the sand in a bar. East Coast clones are here, bro. Dude, you're you're represented well down here in the jungle, bro. It's full. I'm in the jungle and listening to the jungle, bro. It's beautiful, bro. Dude, must be nice. Must be nice. What's going on, dude? It's perfect here. The water, the weather. It's uh, Caribbean's best kept secret, bro. Check out Rotan. Sorry, Rotan. I'm putting you on blast, bro. It's beautiful out here. Got the VRBO right on the sand, bro. It's full <laughs> motion, bro. Now listen, you know, bro. I'm like the CJ McCullen of the show, bro. Um, 
you know, it, this week has taken a lot out of me, a lot of uh, relaxing, you know what I mean, brah. But even though I'm not 100%, I got to call the show, brah. You know, I need to uh, give you that premium content that I'm known for. I'm not like Zion Left or Zion BIC where they throw down a windmill dunk on Smack Off and then they disappear, brah. I come in and put work in, brah. I know that the clones, the JTP, the worldwide audience, they count on me, brah, for that premium content. Now, there's this guy in Sacramento, I don't know who he is, who yeah, decided to go on me and that super fresh take that I have, uh, quote, man boobs or something like that. That's great, Brad. You know, super funny. You know, he's obviously been around 100 times now, and he's, you know, he's like a stain on the wall. But I will admit, my bosom is full, Brad, because I'm living my best life, dude. I did a reinvention of my own a few years ago, decided to uh, go into teaching, and it's been the best decision, Brad. Now, it does help to have a rich wife, Brad. But listen, it's coming up on 19 years of marriage, Brad. I don't mind being a trophy husband, bro. That's kind of my style, bro. You know, you get what I'm all about, bro. So listen, bro. It's been beautiful down here. Um, Dodgers, you know, a little scuffling here and there, but taking a couple from the bitter no cows. That's beautiful too, bro. And uh, our LA Kings scuffling a little, but all we need to do is get in the playoffs, and we'll be looking good. Now I'm gonna get a little greedy, Alfie. I know you and I, for the most part, we're on the same page, but. I'm in the sand, bro, and I know it's only Thursday. Is there any possibility of playing me out with some sandstorm, bro? I would love to sandstorm my way off the show and shout out while I'm in transit tomorrow back to the beautiful HBC. Alvy, help me out with a little sandstorm, bro. Bro, 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 bro. Oh, hell yeah, I love you, Alvy. Congrats on your day off midweek, bro. I love you. <laughs> so bra. good, bro. Good night now!